Good morning, Grace Church. If you could stand, I want to just start in prayer this morning. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your grace, your mercy. God, we thank you for each person that you've brought here today. We know that you have an individual need. We know that, we, that you want to minister to each and every one of us, God. Pray that you would just move in this place, that we could usher in your presence into this place. Hallelujah. The Bible says, this is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He didn't say I might. He didn't say I could. He said I will rejoice and be glad in it. So if we would will that today, when we begin to lift him up, he's going to move in our lives. So would you do that this morning? Just praise with us. Just, just usher in his presence in this place. Lord, we thank you, Jesus. Praise you.
David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Does that, does this experience and, and the opportunity to be in the presence of God, does it still excite you? Were you glad when you got up on a Sunday morning that you had a place to go where you could experience the powerful, vibrant move of God's Spirit? I was, I'm glad that I'm here this morning. You may be seated. I'm glad because in this place you can have deliverance, that in the presence of God there is liberty. I'm glad that you can have strength and, and encouragement when you're down. And I'm glad that all those things are initiated with relationship with God. I pray this morning we were in our adult class we were talking about the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Find out about the gospel. Understand the value of the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How that you don't have to go to your grave with the sins of your life still attached to you because of the precious grace of God. I love the Lord. Can we give him a hand clap of praise this morning? God deserves it. Praise God. Praise God. We appreciate all of you being here this morning. We're so thankful for your presence here. I believe great things can happen and will happen for you in this service. We would... You know, when you pray this morning and in your, your prayers after service and in your normal prayers in your daily life, please remember Mr. David Clark. He has a special need in his family. Please remember him this morning. We have a few announcements this morning. Tuesday, August 3rd, we'll have first Tuesday evening prayer in the sanctuary at 7.30 p.m. On Saturday the 7th, we have the Move, the Mission, Jambalaya, and White Bean Dinner. You can pre-order your dinners on, at Grand Central. The pickup times are between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. The cost is $8. And Monday, August 9th, we will start our 21 days of sacrifice, which ends Sunday, August 29th. It's a great opportunity for you to ex extricate from yourselves, to excise from yourselves those things that are you feel are hindering your, you and your walk with God and, and draw closer to the Lord in the process. Do you love the Lord this morning? I know this is just an interim and we're dealing with just some of the preliminaries of service. But I believe that God can do something great here today. If you will engage and worship and praise Him and turn your mind from the things of your life onto the origin of your peace. Let's stand this morning, lift our voices in praise and worship. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise.
Come on, folks. 
released himself from this. I feel an urge in the Holy Ghost to tell somebody. He that goes forth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again rejoicing. It's not over yet. God has not had his final say yet. And I believe we're being introduced this morning to a move of God like we've not felt in a long, long time. And it's God showing up for just such a moment as this. It is up to us, folks. It's up to us. The, the camp meeting speaker said that God can do anything. He can part the Red Sea. He can make an optic nerve for an end. But he can't do one thing for us unless we let him. He's not going to force himself. And I just feel compelled to tell somebody before our speaker comes that if you'll open your heart, if you'll let God, if you'll let God, he can answer your prayer. If you'll let God, he can encourage you. If you'll let God, he'll inspire you. If you'll let God, he'll fill you with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you'll let God, he'll give you that miracle that you've prayed for for years. It ain't over with, honey. God ain't done yet. This is a move of God. Everybody praise Him. Everybody praise Him. Everybody praise Him. credit today to this amazing group of people standing right here in front of the pulpit for letting God use them to usher in his presence. Thank the Lord. You'll never know what your worship means, what your dedication and faithfulness means. I applaud our young people here today and thank you. Thank you for leading us to the throne of God today in your praise, your enthusiasm, your excitement. We're excited about what God is doing uh, with our young folks today. God bless you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank the Lord. Without any further ado, without any further ado, it would have been real easy just to take this service right on in the vein it's in. But I believe our speaker today has a word from God for us. Brother Greg Aldrin is a friend. We've known each other practically all of our lives, but we have known each other all of our lives. A wonderful, wonderful man of God. Tested, proven, beyond anything you and I can understand or relate to here today. God has used him mightily in so many different capacities. And we're thankful and privileged today to have Brother Greg Aldrin with us today. Would you welcome him as he comes to minister to us the word of God? I love this man. I love this man. Amen. Let's give the Lord Jesus a standing ovation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, dear Jesus. Two phrases of that song that, that reach and touch my heart and 
tell, they speak a message to me. One said, we need a move. And I agree, we need a move with God. I, I, I don't ever want to take for granted a move of God. And I don't ever want to get used to going home without a move of God. Amen. 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 I want to be doctrinally, doctrinally correct. I want to be in line with the word of God. I want to know that in word and mentally teaching layers of, of the word that, that I'm walking in truth. But what makes all of that come together is when on top of that is a move of God. We need, somebody say, we need a move. Amen. But it goes to a different level when they start singing, this is a move. Because I'm like, you better not be singing that if you ain't having a move. Otherwise, it's just words. It's like there used to be a song we sang said, this is how we praise him. This is how we praise him. This is how we praise the Lord. And I don't mean to say that you just come to church and look around, but you could look around during that song and some were testifying exactly what they were singing. This is how we praise him. I'm like, that's how you praise him. You're right. You're telling the truth. And then somebody else was, this is how we praise him. And they were locked in. Well, well, if, if we're going to sing, this is a move. I'm glad to be in a house of God today where it wasn't just words. Amen. Where we're in, in the middle of God's presence moving and people being ministered to and touched from the front to the back. Amen. I'm glad to be a part of a church that allows the move of God. Amen. It is so wonderful to be with our dear friends at Grace Church Central. I look around, uh, not only Brother Murphy and Sister Murphy, lifelong friends, but on the platform, on the praise team, throughout the congregation, lifelong friends. And I give you honor, and I can't start calling names. I'll get in trouble. Amen. But, but so many friends and get to see you at the campgrounds at the summertime and see you uh, when we come here is just very special. I know I've said this several times. I said it on the phone to two or three friends yesterday. Where are you going this weekend? I said, I'm going to preach a mile from where I grew up. Amen. I love it that there's an apostolic Holy Ghost church right here in Central. Amen. Amen. moved to Gurney Lane, 12046 Gurney Lane, when I was five years old, lived there till I was 26, I turned 56 a few weeks ago, I'm old enough and lived here long ago enough to tell you we were, we were so proud when McDonald's came across from Zor Baptist Church, y'all know where I'm talking about, I remember when that was the first thing that made Central feel like, hey, hey, we got something. And I'm passing today high-rise apartment complexes, Starbucks, and all this stuff. Y'all didn't come to town, Central. This is, this is so, so cool. Amen. My phone number for all those years was 2612112. And click, is it Clico? What's the electric company that's out here? Not Clico. That's it. Say it again. Yeah, that whatever they're saying. That company... Their number was 261-1221. So we'd get a whole lot of their phone calls. And one day I just got tired of it. 
and the person called, and I said, look, their numbers are 1221, and I'm a teenager, you know, I said, their numbers are 1221, ours is 2112, I'm, I'm not kidding, eight seconds later, phone rang again, same voice, asking for whatever, and I happened to have my stereo close by, I hurried up, and I put it on elevator music, and I said, uh, excuse me, sir, yeah, that'll be just one moment, you mind if I put you on hold? And I put the phone down to that thing, and I played it for about a minute, and I said, their number is 1221, get it straight! That's just some central memories. I do want to join in with Pastor. The flow and the anointing that's in this house. Maybe you didn't have to have preaching because God's here. But I do feel a word that just joins right in with the flow of the Holy Ghost today. So thank you. It's an honor to be here. Love you all. I don't do this all the time, but I felt to preface our message today. Pastor talked about we're in a burden sometime, and just that word is key to the message today. Driving here, listening to Christian radio, I think it's the message on a, on a car and the, the DJ just a few miles, I mean a few blocks from the church, just a red light or two away, did one of them little devotionals, and he said our title about three or four times, and I just felt the Holy Ghost. I'm like, God, God, you're here. You're here. But I want to preface by saying this. By the way, before I dive in there, I'm glad to have my son Creed with me. He's sitting with Sister Murphy. Amen. Glad to have the creed, man. By the way, congratulations on y'all's great Bible quizzing year. I heard y'all had a great year. Congratulations on that. One of my daughters is in Arkansas with family. She's hearing Terry Shock preach today. My other daughter's in Texas with friends. And um, thank you for loving and, and, and praying for our family. But I just want to give you the origins or the genesis of this message. Don't always do that. Sometimes, many times, just preach. This message is not simply studying, praying. Oh, that's a good thought. And developed into a sermon. That happens sometimes. God gives it to you. It evolves. But this message is one of about three, maybe four, that I would say were direct words from God. When our family walked through unspeakable trauma and tragedy, and as a man, as a dad, as a child of God, how are we going to make it? How do we even navigate? How do we make it in this time? Over the next six months or a year, God gave me several words to hold on to that became messages. This is one of them, and I believe it applies no matter what you face, no matter what you may walk through, no matter what unfolds in your life. Amen. I can tell you, amen, that God is on your side, and God will lead and guide and carry you.
Matthew 11, verse 28, 29, and 30. Jesus speaking. He said, come unto me. All ye that labor. One version says, all you who work to exhaustion. And are heavy laden. Over burden. Found that interesting. Heavy laden means overburdened. For the Brian, that means you're burdened, and then one more burden came, and now you're. That means you were carrying weights, but the proverbial straw, the one more thing came to your shoulders. Overburdened. Jesus said, Come to me. And I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest unto your souls. Then he says, for my yoke is easy. I want to just confess something right here at the beginning this is one of those scripture settings that I heard all my life and I knew it had to be good because Jesus was saying it but in my understanding of a yoke it was a big wooden bar that went on the back of oxen and it, it looked heavy by itself And I know Jesus said, my yoke is easy. I don't know if it's called yoke rhymes with choke. I have no idea. I just didn't like it. I didn't have a good connotation of yoke. I don't want anything else placed on me. But Jesus said, my yoke is easy. And he said, my burden is light. I don't like that word burden. I don't need any more of those. But whatever Jesus is saying, it's good, not bad. The word study of that word easy. My yoke is easy. All of this is in that word. It's better. It's good. It's gracious. It's kind. It's comfortable and it's pleasant. Jesus is saying what I'm wanting to do in your life is not going to bring you more pain. It's going to help. It's not going to bring more weight. It's going to help. And anything that I place upon you is easy and it's light and it's better than doing it any other So the understanding that the Lord gave me through my prayers is the understanding of exactly what he meant when he said, take my yoke upon you. I want to minister today on the subject, you are not alone. Would you say it with me first person? I am not alone. You don't have to carry this alone. You're not on this journey all by yourself. Amen. You are not alone. Our Jesus is with you. 
Amen. Before we're seated, let's just cry out to him one more time. God, we praise you. Lord, we magnify you, Jesus. God, we exalt you and lift you up in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. God bless you. You may be seated. I've decided in life that I will only carry what God desires for me to carry. There are things in life we have to carry. I'd love it if God just delivered us from everything, but I found out he doesn't deliver us from everything, but those things that he allows and leaves, he's going to give us the grace to carry them in our lives. I'm not going to carry what the devil wants me to carry, and I'm not going to pile on myself, but if God allows it, I am going to carry it. But I've decided I will only carry it in the manner God intends for me to carry it. So today, I want to discuss for a few minutes our burdens and the weights that we carry in our lives that can come in so many ways. And then I want to talk for a little while about the concept of a yoke and a little more specifically the yoke of Jesus Christ and exactly what that entails. Now, talk about burdens for just a little while. How do we accumulate so many burdens? How do so many things come into our lives that end up being difficult or heavy to carry? It just happens in the journey of life. Now in 2007, God called our family to Colorado to pastor we're Louisiana-born, Louisiana-bred, and when I die, I'll be Louisiana-dead. Amen. I'm Louisiana through and through, and when I preach in Arkansas and Texas and some of those places, I don't even have to talk sports. I just get in trouble picking at them because I love Louisiana so much. But when we moved to Colorado, discovered something very quickly. You move into a home. We rented for a little while right at first and then purchased a home. Both of those homes, square footage upstairs is matched by square footage downstairs with something that's called a basement. We don't have those in Louisiana. You'd hit the water table in Louisiana. We have garages. We have attic storages. Some of you climb up and down a ladder, go in an attic where you hopefully have a few sheets of plywood, and you have half as much stuff up there as you do downstairs. And then you pay for storage, and then the nice stuff, you pay for climate-controlled storage, and then you have a shed out back. And we have stuff everywhere. But in Colorado, if your house is 1,800 square feet, your basement is 1,800 square feet. Ah, that's awesome. It's wonderful. And most of the, most of the basements that I saw were, were unfinished, partially finished, the concrete, the studs, and, and it's all that. And some people would finish them out and make it live in area. But a lot of people, it just became a, a wonderful, right down the stairs storage. I've, I've, seen, I've seen basements where there was barely a trail. Now, if you needed to camp, snow ski, old clothes, this, that. You had it all laying around you because you just put stuff in the basement. 
then in 2015, God released us from that calling and spoke to me to move move back to Louisiana and do what we're doing now. And 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 God's hand was in that. And when we began, we began to pack the truck, pack up to move, to put on the truck to come home. I realized something. We realized something. Eight years, about about uh, yeah, eight years, and 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 we are packing to move home. And I realized eight years of this happening right here. Hey, honey, where does this go? It's a box of old shoes. I don't know. Put it in the basement. Hey, Greg, here's some old books. They were in your office. And what do you want to do with them? Put them in the basement. I realized after eight years, we must have did that four times a week. Because our basement was full of boxes of books and boxes of shoes and boxes of clothes and boxes of old stuff. I don't think we gave anything away. I know we didn't have any garage sales. I think we just put it in a box. And now we're trying to move and I'm realizing we've accumulated. We've collected. And so we gave away and that few days because I wasn't paying one of them big movie companies. I wasn't paying one of them thousands of dollars. I was trying to do it in the biggest U-Haul and all of that. And so we had to narrow it down. So I'm telling you, honey, we were giving stuff away. Y'all need a grill. Y'all need this. Y'all need a box of old books. Y'all need some shoes. They're size 10. And, and, and we gave stuff away. And we put stuff on the sidewalk for people to drive by. And, and, and folks in Colorado, it's just like Louisiana. Hey, man, it's gone in less than 30 minutes because somebody's going to use that stuff. Y'all know what I'm talking about? But I realized life we can accumulate more than we realize. And in our journeys and in our walk of life, sometimes it kind of happens like that. We go through a storm or we go through a trial or we go through a family battle. And, and we may have survived, but in there maybe we pick up just a little bit of heaviness or we pick up some hurt or we pick up. A, I've never struggled with bitterness before, but now there's a box of that that I've got somewhere. in my And we start realizing stuff. And it's extra, and it starts being heavy to carry. I'll give you another example, and this one's not spiritual at all, but hopefully it makes a spiritual connection for you. It's a deer hunting story. Years ago, I had never deer hunted until my mid-20s, and then some guys took me, and I loved it. And then I got spoiled. Some people get spoiled to the antlers. I got spoiled to deer sausage in the freezer. Man, that stuff's good. Jalapeno cheese, link sausage, jalapeno cheese. Oh, I just love it. The breakfast sausage, summer sausage. I, it's like four different ways. That stuff's good. And it was one year I didn't have a deer, and it was getting toward the end of the season, and I just, I just hadn't had an opportunity. And, and a guy, it was in January. I usually wrapped up hunting in November, maybe a December hunt or two. And, and it was January. And a guy calls me on Friday afternoon and says, Greg, say, you want to go hunt tomorrow? Get your stuff together if you want to go. And, and, and we're going to my camp tonight and we'll hunt in the morning. 
And so I pack up my stuff, go with him. And he said, I've scouted this spot way back up in the woods. He said, but, and I'll take you. And I, but I don't have two spots. We'll just drop you off somewhere and you hunt. And then I'll go further and I'll hunt. And so it was public land. And some of you that's camped or hunted on public land, you know, there's, there's drive only. You know, some of the roads are, are uh, that you can drive on. Then there's four-wheel trails. And then a lot of the property is just walk only. Steve had chose a spot two miles from the truck. That's two miles from where you park. We had a four-wheeler. Steve was bigger than me. We had two climbing stands. Mine weighed 26 pounds, two backpacks, and two rifles. That's two dudes, two climbing stands, two backpacks, and my backpack probably weighed 26 pounds because I eat when I go hunting, honey, and, and two guns. It was January. It had been raining for weeks. The The... The entire walk was, was probably anywhere from two to six inches deep of water on top of suction mud. That's the name I gave it was suction mud. You have on your, 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 you know, your tall rubber boots, but every step makes a noise. Anybody ever walked in that, that mud? So we make it one mile on the four-wheeler, and that was that was comedy all by itself. Two dudes, all that stuff I'm telling y'all. And then I'm pulling this little cart that I bought behind us in case we got one. It was a cheap cart. The wheels were really narrow. That was going to be important later coming out. So we make it a mile on the four-wheeler. We're walking right at a mile, suction mud, all that gear. We're burdened already. We already loaded down. And then all of a sudden, it's four in the morning. These are woods. I've never been in these woods. I've never remotely been there. But all of a sudden, I realized for about 50 to 100 yards, I don't hear water splashing. I looked down. It was still a little bit muddy. But we were obviously on a ridge. Steve wanted to go 15 minutes further. I told Steve, I said, Steve, I said, I think this might be a crossing. It's, it's, it, it, we're not in mud. We're not in water, standing water anymore. I think, I think a deer might, might would cross here. I'm going to climb up the next tree, and this is where I'm going to hunt. My, my intense deer scouting capabilities, even at 4 a.m. in the dark, tell me this is a good spot. What I wasn't telling Steve is I ain't taking another step in this stinking mud, and I'm not going further, and I don't care if I ever see a deer. I'm just going to climb up in the tree and take a nap till you come back. Climbed up the tree. Had one sticking out in the power line there, a little trail a little bit. Climbed up my tree. Steve went on 915, 930, hadn't seen a thing. All of a sudden, shoom, something crossed the trail. I thought, oh, that might have been a doe. It was a buck's only day, so I started paying attention. Sure enough, a little bit later, here a buck steps out. It wasn't huge, but it was going to be sausage in the freezer. And so, boy, I put the gun on it. It's about 120 yards down. Shot it right in the trail. Boom. The opposite way from where Steve was coming from. So, so man, I got me a deer, but I never even climbed down. I mean, I could see it way down there in the trail. So, so I, I, I waited till Steve came back and did the whole guy thing. Hey, man, I heard a shot. Was that you? No, man, must have been somebody else. And so I climbed down, get all my gear, and then we're walking out, and we almost trip over my deer. And he's like, "Oh, dude, you did get one." And you know, all the yeah, bro, yeah. And we celebrated. Little did I know. Little did I know, 
that those couple of moments of, dude, I got one. Man, that was cool. That was, little did I know that those few moments of celebrating would be the last moments of celebrating that I got a deer for about two and a half to three days. 160 pounds that was about to go on that little cart with them little 10-speed bike tires, with two climbing stands, with two backpacks, with two guns, and with your feet that sink about three to every step. Is we celebrated. Yeah! Put the deer on the cart, bungee cord. Folks, it would have made a good little video. It would, it would have been funny. Climbing stands bungeed on top of the deer, backpacks, guns, and, and I lie not. We start hauling that deer out of the woods. And my thighs, my lower back was started hurting. My thighs, some of y'all that work out, you know what I'm talking about, where your, your thighs start going boom, 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 boom. Like you feel your blood, you feel your heartbeat. And I said, Steve, got to take a break. Got to take a break. Steve, I got to take a break. You think, you think we're about a third of the way back to the four-wheeler? You think about halfway back? I lie not. I'm almost done. This is hard. It's heavy. And Steve said, Greg, turn around and look. See that tree sticking out? That's the tree you were hunting in. We ain't a third or a half of the way back. We're only about 75 yards from the tree. There were so many things that happened trying to get that deer out the woods. The whole cart fell over. I tripped and fell over. Now everything is absolutely muddy. Uh-huh. And, and, and I lost a flip phone. This is how long ago. I lost a flip phone in the mud. Don't care. See you. Bye. I don't know where it went from falling. And I'm, I'm ethical. You kill an animal, you, you get the meat. That's, that's what it's about. But for a few moments, I didn't feel real ethical. I'm like, Steve. If you don't tell anybody, and I don't tell anybody, nobody has to know that I got a deer. Nobody. Steve, coyotes need to eat too. We could ease this thing in the woods. Nobody has to know. Folks, it was ours. We finally made it somehow back to the four-wheeler, somehow back to the truck. Clean the deer. Got the whole process going, and that was that was on the weekend, and it was probably Tuesday or Wednesday before again. I said, ah, "Got a deer," because for about three days there, I hated I hated the fact that it crossed on my trail. I'm like, "Why?" And you know what was sad about all that? We call that fun. Some of you wives may look at your husband and say, "Yeah, you call that? How do you call that fun?" We were there on purpose. We were doing that because we wanted to, and we called it fun. But somebody hear me today. We were burdened. We had about all we could handle on the way in. We had about all that our strength could handle getting to the hunting spot. And then you add 160 pounds. Now, we, we, we wanted that. But how many times does that happen in our lives that we're navigating our journey? We're navigating business and life and family and in all of these crazy times that we're living in, doing all we can to make it. And then one thing gets added that we didn't see coming. One accident, one tough thing, one break that we didn't understand or know where it came from 
come or a storm or a trial. And that is the moment that burdened can become overburdened and 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 a little bit tired can become I'm exhausted. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I got a word for somebody today. Jesus is in this house and Jesus is going to stand beside you and Jesus is going to let you know whatever the burden, whatever the weight. I'm not I'm not here today to label the weights because what this young man is going through or facing in his family may be totally different than what Sister and Brother Murphy's facing as leaders of the church. And this precious elder may be facing something that, that's totally different. So I'm not going to try to walk through and label but you understand what I'm talking about. It's, it's already heavy and, and it's taking Holy Ghost strength to make it and, and then that happens be in so many arenas and then we feel overwhelmed, overburdened, exhausted and maybe maybe there's people in this room that's prayed like I did. How are we even supposed to make it? How are we going to have the strength to navigate now? How are we going to have what it takes now and so I want to shift for just a few moments. We've talked about burdens and we've talked about how we can accumulate and we've talked about how in the journey more can be added that makes it overwhelming. But for a, a few moments right now, and, I, and I'm talking, let me, let me just stay there just a couple more minutes. The, the things that the enemy tries to tack on, Please understand, you may survive the trial, but the enemy's there saying, well, you may have made it, but now you'll carry this unforgiveness for a while. You may have made it through the storm, but now you're going to have hurt. Just know that hurt's never going to heal. The devil tries to come in and pile on and say, you've never dealt with bitterness. Now you survived the storm, but you're bitter, or you have angry, or anger, or you're struggling with some things because he's trying to pile on even though you made it. Anybody? You don't have to say amen, oh me, but he'll try to come in. And, and, and you're doing all you can to live for God, and you, you make a bad choice, or you have a bad week, and then he's piling on the condemnation, and then the low self-esteem, and then the oppression, and the depression, and loss of liberty in your life, and self-hate, and hopelessness, and, and you're still trying to make it. I'm not saying all of us face all of those. Would you let somebody... If I can say it in this term, you let, you let the 160-pound deer get added to the journey. You let the weight come in. And the enemy's trying to say, let me put this box in your basement. Let me add this. How? How are we to navigate? Let's talk about yoke, a yoke for just a moment. If we can put the picture on the screen of the two oxen with the yoke on their back or on their shoulders. A yoke is a wooden cross piece. Look at the picture as I'm saying this. It's a wooden cross piece that is fastened over the necks of two animals, usually oxen, and hear this, and attached to the plow or cart that they are to pull. Let me back up and then I'll get back to there. 
an, a, a, a yoke. Notice it's carved. It has a carved spot that goes over their shoulders. It's carved in such a manner to try to present, prevent chafing to be more comfortable. In some com- countries, that carved part even has sheep's wool under it to try to make it comfortable for the shoulders of the oxen. Notice then it has the piece that goes around their neck that connects them to the yoke, but then it also connects them to each other. So in the definition, and we're going to stay in this definition for just a moment, but the first thing that happens is two oxen are connected together by that yoke. That's in the definition. It connects two together. So when Jesus is saying, take my yoke up on you, he's saying there's going to be two of us in the yoke. Ah, I'm understanding it better now. There's going to be two of us in this yoke. One of them's going to be you, Greg, and the other one's going to be me. I like that. The Lord is saying, I'm going to lock myself in, and you're going to lock yourself in, and we're going to be locked in together. Somebody say together. Together with Jesus. Now, here's the part that absolutely ministered to me, and I find it in most every definition of of a yoke. A wooden bar joins two oxen to each other and has provision to connect to the burden that they pull. The cart, the wagon, the plow. Do y'all see that ring? That's built into the middle of that yoke. Do y'all see that ring that is built in? It's in every definition, just about every definition that I found of a yoke. It doesn't just connect two beings together, but in the construction of a yoke, in the building of a yoke, there is a ring that is built in that then a a, a rope or, or some type of cable or connection can be connected to what is to be pulled. So when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, two things are being implied. Me and you are going to be joined together and I've made provision to carry whatever it is you got to carry, whatever it is that you're facing in your life, whatever it is that you're going through, I've made provision. I've made provision that I'm going to connect with you and we're going to get the job done. Amen. I, I don't mean to be forceful right now, but would somebody look at that ring between those two oxen? And I want you to just say to yourself, Jesus did that for me. Jesus is offering that to me. Jesus provided that for me because he said, if you're overburdened, if you're tired, if you're weary, come unto me. Take my yoke upon So when Jesus is asking me to take on his yoke, he's not saying you're going to be by yourself and I'm putting this this wooden bar on your back that's going to make it a little bit heavy. No, 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 no. Jesus is saying, I'll stand beside you and I've made provision to pull whatever it is you face. Can I say it this way? Being yoked to Jesus, it's easy. It's not burdensome. It's better than doing it alone. 
it's pleasant. When I began to understand this picture, I realized there's nothing can be attached to that loop that's going to be too big for Jesus. Amen. There's nothing that's going to be too heavy. That's nothing that we're not going to be able to navigate when I know that he is, he is covenanted with me. He is linked with me to pull this burden. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Paul makes an interesting statement. And you could say this could be a relationship lesson verse. I'm not going that direction. Paul in his teaching, say, he's saying be careful with your connections or relationship with unbelievers. You've got to be careful. Now whether he was talking about dating, I don't know what all exactly he's talking about. But he used the term don't be unequally yoked. So obviously it's imagery because he's not telling believers you're going to walk around with that big wooden bar across your neck. So it's imagery. But the understanding that there's a such thing as an unequal yoke. I have a friend's dad lives in between Gina and Ala, Louisiana. And you know if you're in between Gina and Ala, you're really in the country. And he has a barn that's more of a, he likes to collect antiques and stuff. And there's just some cool things in there. And he has a yoke that doesn't look right. Has a hanging from the ceiling. One side's longer, one side's shorter. He said, Brother Greg, I bought that at an auction. And he said, I asked him, he said, why does it, it look cockeyed like that? Why does it not look straight? He said they told him at the auction, he said that's an unequal yoke. That's an uneven yoke. He said there can be a stronger oxen or a more experienced oxen that would be connected with a younger or less experienced and the stronger it's rigged up where the stronger auction carries more of the load. It's rigged up where the, the stronger auction can take the lead. So there are such things as an unequal yoke. And I've decided Paul may have told us, don't be unequally yoked in some of your relationships. Be careful. And I'll receive that from Paul. I, I want to be careful in my relationships and in my connections. But I've decided in the words of Jesus in Matthew 11, I'm privileged to be a part of one of the most unequal yokes there's ever been. I'm privileged. You're privileged. You're privileged to be a part of one of the most unequal yokes there's ever been. Because when you're Jesus, when you're Jesus, realize you're carrying some things. When you're Jesus, realizes you're navigating some things. And he comes and stands beside you. See, I don't think it's just an empty yoke. In my mind, Jesus is already linked in the other side. And he comes and stands beside you and I. He comes and stands beside us. And he says, hey, Greg, take my yoke upon you. I see what you're trying to pull. I see what you're trying to carry. Would you take my yoke upon you? Would you link with me? Would you covenant with me? Part of my provision is to help you carry your burden. Part of my provision is to help you navigate through life. Part of my provision is to make sure you make it. Greg, would you take my yoke upon you? And I say, yes, Jesus. And I step in that yoke that's an unequal yoke 
Now I understand. I understand that yoke is mostly oxen. But if yokes were for horses, I just wanted to illustrate how it seems to me. Could we put the next picture on the screen? If yokes were for horses, it's all right. That's my Clydesdale, it's Jesus. You talk about an unequal yoke. A thousand pounds don't feel like much to that big fella. And he stands in the yoke, and I'm the little Shetland pony, and I can't even get the pile to budge. How is a dad? How is a father? How, how, how am I going to, how are you going to, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you may go through. I don't know what you may have gone through or go through, but I'm here to tell you in the house, pastor stepped to the pulpit, amen, and said we're in a burdensome season. I don't know what all your burdens are. I know the sickness and the COVID and the quarantine and all the mess in this world and how it's affected the economy and how it's affected life and church and families and loss and all of that all I can tell you is I don't know I don't I'm not prophesying I just don't know if we're going to go through too many stretches where everything's perfect between now and the rapture I don't know what all's coming I don't know I'm going to keep living for Jesus but I know one thing no matter what you face you can make it no matter what you as an individual face with that understanding right there you can make it your family can make it your home can make it your lives can make it when you understand I'm not doing this by myself I don't have to try to pull the pile by myself you've got a Jesus standing beside you saying whatever you're pulling I'll be your Clydesdale it's okay if you can't move the pile too much by yourself I've made provision so I don't know if it's technically correct to pray you're my Clydesdale but I do it sometimes I'm the little Shetland pony I don't really have the strength. Folks, that's what I see. When I look at the phrase that says, take my yoke, that's what I see. It's an unequal yoke. He's standing. He's standing on the other side. I'll link with you, and I'll partner with you. I may minister for a couple of more moments, but could we close our eyes and lift our hand? Hallelujah, that's it. Just close your eyes, lift your hands for a moment. Amen. God's presence is in this room right now. We don't have to be jumping, running, screaming. That's a move of God too. But there's a purity in this house. There's an anointing oil in this house. There's grace in this house right now. In Jesus' name, you're going to make it. Single parent, mom, you're going to make it. Amen. Family that's gone through financial stress, you're going to make it. Amen. Family that's faced sickness, you're going to make it. Brother Greg, you don't know my story. You're right, but I know my Clydesdale. I know my Jesus. He's standing beside you saying, you are not alone. That's what that DJ said about three times just a few blocks from here. You're not alone. You're not in this by yourself. Amen. I'm like, yes, Lord, you're telling somebody that today. They're going to make it. Amen. God's with them and God is on their side. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. Just lift your hands and worship him with us one more time. Jesus, we honor you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. We exalt you, Jesus. You're so holy. You're so good. You're so great. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I close. Something happened years ago. Early. It would have been early in my time of just getting started in ministry. I didn't really understand at the time, and I'll use the same terms, but, but the devil wants to yoke up with us. He wants to link to us to try to handle things his way. And his always end up trying to destroy us. But God's way, when God links up with us and we with him, is to love us and to bless us. So, there was a point living for God with all my heart, call of God in my life, ministry beginning in my life. And I went through a stretch where I really made some dumb and some bad mistakes, just, just fell flat on my face. I repented. I meant it. Felt like God forgave me. And I got back up and kept going, but something happened. Remember I told you how you can make it through something, but the enemy then tries to pile on. So now I'm living for God, pursuing this calling. I know it's not in my heart. I've repented every way you can repent. I, I, I taught young people for years, and I taught them, you, you're going to at some point in your life have some mess-ups. Decide you're going to be the best repenter there's ever been. Like there's not going to be a better repenter than me, and that will keep you right with God. You repent, you mean it. And I did. I did. But now I have this calling, but it feels like there's something connected to me, and there's a voice, and there, there's these heaviness, there's these burdens, these weights that's saying you can never be that guy because you're really that guy. You can never fulfill your calling because of this. And I, folks, I'd fast, I'd pray, and I got to, I don't mean to be, to be overdramatic, but I, and I'm almost done, but I got to the point where my calling started feeling like a curse. God, would you quit showing me this if I really can't go there because of this? Went to a general conference, tormented. It's gone on for several years. I make my way to the side of the platform, I'm crying out to God, and a preacher comes. I'm on the floor leaning up against the platform. A preacher on the platform comes and kneels down and leans over. And he lays hands on me like, you know it's going to be good prayer if somebody gets you from the front. But if they get you with both hands and start shaking, you know it's on. And he got me with both hands, and he was praying in the Holy Ghost. And that lasted for about 10 minutes. And I'd only say in my life I've had like two or three visions where I was awake, but I saw as if it were a video playing. And this is what unfolded. I'm here. There's a huge rope tied to my waist with about 20 feet of rope. At the end of that rope is a huge duffel bag. 
I knew just the way it happened. I knew that's my past. That's all that mess. That's my mistakes. The enemy, devil, just the, the bad guy, he's, he's holding on to that duffel bag and he's pulling backwards. I make one mistake or have one just weak moment or just, just temptation or whatever, and he opens the duffel bag, starts pulling everything out and say, this is who you really are, and he's pulling backwards the whole time. When I'm strong, I could pull it a little bit, but when I lost strength, it was pulling me backwards, and it felt like this curse and this torment, and in the vision, a hand came with the world, just a huge pair of shears came down, and it cut the rope, not close to me, it cut the rope right by the duffel bag, and that, that duffel bag bounded as if down a thousand foot cliff, and the Lord spoke and said, that will never be connected to you again. If you ever have a bad day, it'll be one, it'll stand on its own, and you repent, you, get, you go forward. That will never be connected to you again, ever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I rejoiced, I rejoiced on that because what had been connected with me and what the enemy was using to try to connect and pull me backwards was now severed and gone. If we can put Isaiah 10, 27 on the screen. I want somebody to see this real quick. Amen. Can, can I have just a couple more minutes to wrap up? I don't, I don't want to keep you too long today, but I feel the Holy Ghost is in the house. Isaiah chapter 10, verse 27. The only other place in the Bible besides Matthew 11, verse 30. Jesus, remember what Jesus said. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is is like yoke and burden were in the same verse. Jesus was saying, mine's easy. I'll help you. What, 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 look at this one. The Assyrians had been attacking Israel, and God gave a word of prophecy, said his, talking about the Assyrians, his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. This was talking about the Assyrians in the Old Testament. I believe it's a good word for the devil. The devil's yoke will be taken away from thy shoulder. Amen. I'm here for God's anointing, but if the enemy's trying to pile on, there's an anointing in this house. God's going to set somebody free from your duffel bag that's trying to pull you backwards. He's going to set somebody free because the enemy's yoke, that just means connection. It connects two together. I never thought of myself as wanting to covenant with the devil, but if I'm not carrying my burdens God's way, then the devil's going to try to yoke and connect with me, and all he wants to do is destroy. But there's an anointing in here that's going to take his yoke off and his burden. That's what happened. His burden will be destroyed because of the anointing. So that's what happened. And that duffel bag went down as if down a cliff. And God said, you are freed. Never will you deal with that stuff again. His lies have been defeated. And folks, I could have went home right then. And I could have had a great victory. But what happened next changed the rest of my life. And it still leads and guides me to this day. Because that hand put down the shears. That hand picked up the rope. And that rope with that hand began and making a, a, a 180 circle around me. I'm going, well, this is kind of weird. Hey, Amen. And the rope is going around, and I'm here in the middle. 
watching this happen. And when the hand with the rope gets right, right here, I see in front of me about 20 feet is the image of Jesus. He's about 15, 20 feet tall. He's standing right here, and he's looking over his shoulder. He's just as far away from me as that duffel bag had been, but he's in front of me. When that hand gets right here, it wraps the rope around the waist of Jesus, and he turns around and says, Now, instead of being, instead of being linked or tied to your past, instead of being connected to what the enemy will try to use to destroy you, you're now tied to me. You're now connected to your hope. You're now connected to your future. You are now linked with me. And instead of pulling you backwards, now I will pull you forwards. On your bad day, I will help you still be going in the direction that you are to go. I look back now and I see that that's a perfect example of a yoke. Amen. The enemy wanted me to stay connected his way. But God said, I offer you. I offer you to link with me, tied to Jesus, connected to Jesus. Amen. There is no power in hell that can defeat someone when you take his yoke upon you. You'll never carry a burden by yourself. You'll never walk by yourself I want to say it again you're not alone you're not alone you're not alone you don't face it alone you're not walking through it alone you're not fighting it alone amen two anointings that I'm going to pray in the next few moments happen in this place one destroy any lies of the devil that's trying to do this and to connect you and covenant you with Jesus. Your Clydesdale that stands beside you, letting you know. Would you close your eyes with me again? Why don't you just go ahead and stand? Close your eyes and lift your hands to the heavens. Pray virtue release in this room. I pray those two anointings to be released in this room. With your eyes closed and your hands lifted, would somebody let your voice be heard right now? You don't have to pray loud, just let your voice be heard. I know there's praying men and ladies and young people in this house right now. Come on, let your voice be heard right now. God's not overwhelmed by these end times. God's not overwhelmed by what we're facing or what we're dealing with or what we're navigating. Amen. In the construction of the yoke he built for you, not only does it connect him beside you, but it has provision made for anything you would ever face, anything you would ever carry, anything you would ever navigate. You're not alone. You're not alone. Amen. He stands as that cloud still beside you saying it's an unequal yoke. But thank you, Jesus, for that unequal yoke. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Some of the young people are already doing this up front, but if you feel comfortable doing so, if it's a friend or family member beside you, would you take their hand? 
Some of you may want to place your hand on the shoulder of somebody in front of you or behind you. Sometimes all a person needs is a hand on their shoulder, just letting encouragement come in the spirit realm right now. Amen. Take that hand and lift it to the heavens. You're not alone. That's holy tears. Let them flow right now. That's holy tears. All of our prayers don't even come out in words. Some of them just come out in tears. That's holy tears. I pray an anointing in every pew, sir. That's holy tears. I'll get to you in a minute. Amen. That's holy tears. Let that cry come out. Let that prayer come out. Uh, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you've navigated or navigating. I don't know what you may face. But I can tell you there's nothing too big that you and God can't handle. There's nothing too big that when he stands beside you. There's a purity in this room. It's been here all service long. I'm not going to be in a hurry right now. There's a tenderness in this place. I'm not going to try to push you to try to pray super fast because I know there's something pure that's been building all service long. So you just let that prayer come out. If somebody needs ministering to besides you, be sensitive in the Holy Ghost. There's waves of the Holy Ghost in this room right now. There's waves of strength in this All the way from the front row to the back. Don't be shy with your praying right now. Don't be shy with your praying right now. You don't have to jump and run right now, but don't be shy. Let a cry come out. Let a prayer come out. It's okay to say, I don't have all the answers, but I'm linked to Jesus. I may not have all the direction in my life, but I'm covenanting with Jesus. If you feel to move across a section, if you feel... Amen. To turn and pray for someone beside you. Even if you have to step across an aisle, let the Holy Ghost. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. I am not alone. I am not Hallelujah. If you're more comfortable praying up in front of the altar, you're welcome to come. If you want to keep praying right here, you're welcome to do that right now. Let's let this entire house be holy. You're nowhere near alone. You're nowhere near by yourself.
take those hands one more time would you take that hand one more time there's anointing oil in this room would you take that hand and lift it to the heavens or put your hand on that shoulder let a holy ghost oil god's chosen to let this entire sanctuary be holy ground praying men and ladies don't be afraid to walk ministry team members don't be afraid to walk there's an anointing oil that's been released in this room I'd like for another man or two to come to this spot right here. Somebody look at me. I need another man or two to come pray right here for this family. Somebody point your hand right here. Let's go. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. Yes, Oh 
the ones that feel exhausted today, gain strength from the throne room. You're one of the ones that feels overburdened. Right now, I am not you get strength from the heavens right now. I am 